Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Coffee with Shay, Coffee with Shay podcast. I am not going to hint and allude to anything that is coming maybe next year, next season on the podcast. I don't know. We'll see. There's going to be some fun changes coming up, but I have been so excited to do season three. I knew that when I started my podcast, I couldn't do my podcast alone. And it's been very challenging to, especially there's a discourse right now on social media about Emma Chamberlain's podcast and the difficulty around her only talking to herself as a sounding board in her bedroom. And that's essentially what it feels like my podcast was, was like, I'm just sitting on my bed talking to myself. And while I have great values and opinions and stuff, I also think I love having guests on because they can provide a lot more insight to things that I may not have thought about. I've had some revelations through some of these recordings. It's been very challenging, things to bring up in therapy. But there have also been really good conversations centered around things that I feel, feel need to be talked about. And so today's topic, just giving trigger warning to talking about, um, you know, toxic family relationships, eating disorders, body, you know, issues that go on within um, how we feel about our body and our relationship with food and things like that. So just a trigger warning for today's topic, but I'll go ahead and let the guest introduce herself. Go ahead. Hi, everyone. My name is Darian. You can find me on TikTok at Darian Waldron. I make a lot of like daily lifestyle videos, like fashion, daily content, just like, you know, like a anything and anything kind of content, just like daily life stuff. But I'm really excited to be here today and talk with Shay. And yeah. So I have two things, one to admit to you, one to ask you. First one, mm-hmm. let's get into what are you sipping on? Give us a recipe that we all need to try or just, a, you know, your go-to, whatever it is, something you're trying that's new. What is it? So I'm sipping on today. I've been kind of like obsessed with like holiday coffees lately just to kind of like get me into the holiday spirit. So I have like... um been trying to like make coffees at my house like more often instead of like going out and buying coffee so I've been doing like peppermint mocha coffees and then I have like a peppermint mocha creamer and then like I will put like whipped cream on it with like little holiday sprinkles so that's currently what I'm sipping on but I also have like my Stanley full of water with me as well to like balance it out you know get that hydration so that's currently what I'm sipping on right now and like I've been sipping on holiday coffees like every single morning it's it just makes my morning so bright and I love it I love holiday season um holiday season is very difficult for me because of um you know my my dad passing away during the holiday Mm -hmm. season but I've always said that it was Christmas is like one of his favorite holidays I swear it Mm -hmm. it is and so I feel there just has to be a celebration, celebration of his life yeah. during this season. And so I love going like balls to the walls during the holiday. Me too. Like, cause like I come from, um, my parents are divorced. So like, and they got divorced like around like the holiday season. So that used to be like a big, like bummer for me during the holiday season. Cause it kind of just like reminded me that like, I don't have like you know, like the stereotypical family, I have like a broken family. So like just doing like these like little things to like get myself in the mood, just kind of like, just bring like, it just brings joy to my everyday life and kind of like, focuses more on like the celebration of the holiday instead of thinking about like, those kind of like things, you know, like, being from a divorced family and like having to have like split Christmas parties and whatnot, like it just kind of like makes it a little bit better. I think when we really think about the holiday in like a subjective way of just a time of joy, um, Mm -hmm. not a time of like family. I'm so sorry. Somebody just drove or just rode by my window on like a tandem bicycle that was at least five foot tall. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm so sorry to have interrupted that. That was okay. That was so bad. Okay. Um, I, I can't look out my window anymore. Um, clearly there are weird things happening outside, but, um, when we, when we think about what the holiday season really means for Mm -hmm. some people, it's a celebration of 
joy for some people it's a celebration of your loved ones for some people it's a celebration of Christ you know everyone has a why they celebrate but I think when we get to the fundamentals it's not mm-hmm. about Christmas presents as the Grinch no said. it's yeah. not it's not about you know getting the newest latest Home Depot Christmas tree oh yeah any consumerism at all anyways Mm -hmm. it really is just about a joyful time where people get to like bask in happiness and joy and for some people it's not joyful and I get that Mm -hmm. but like us even if we have you know traumatic memories tied to that holiday we're still trying to find a way to get to what the real base of the holiday is and that's joy yeah, no, I totally 100% agree with that. Like, I feel like over the past, like, year or two, like, I've really, like, come to, like, the realization that, like, I'm trying to, like, re-spark that joy that, like, I used to have as, like, a kid. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, like, you know, like, you know, letting my, like, like, healing my inner child kind of joy. And, like, it's just been making, like, everything, like, so, like, even, like, with all the things that are, like, going on in the world and whatnot, like, I just feel like, being able to like heal my inner child like through the holiday season has definitely been helpful. So I have to admit, because I was thinking about, you know, I, I was tying to something that I said during Christmas time. This is something that I wanted to admit to you. And I have, mm-hmm. I've admitted to every single mutual, how I okay. mutual. So I found you in the TikTok comments of Abby's video. Yeah. And you were always hyping her up. And I was like, okay, okay, I like this. And I would see your comments all the time because I would go to her TikTok comments a lot. And I would always like your comments because I just thought they were cool comments. Like you just, you were hyping her up, like bestie girl, like, you know, even though she has such a bigger platform, you were Mm -hmm. still hyping her up, giving her the love and stuff. And it made me just think of like how authentic you were of like just genuine person. And, um, that's why I would like your comments and then I followed you and then I started liking your content and I was like I really like the content that she's creating um it felt very like intentional the content that you were creating um also it felt like you were like finding yourself in your content yeah no I totally agree with that like so like I like love like uplifting people and just like you know like it doesn't matter like how big of a content creator they are like they could be like super small like me or super big like Abby I just like hyping people up and like being like I love what you're doing I love you as a person like I love just like leaving like a little comment to like make people's day and like it just like brightens my day like when they respond back and they're like oh my god thank you saying that and like um I like I'm really touched that like you liked my my content and you thought it was like really genuine and like I I 100% agree that was like me finding myself through my content like I started posting content like this time last year and I was going through like a lot personally at the time and like posting content like regularly on TikTok like really just helped me like discover who I am as a person what I like as like a person and just like how I want to like present myself to the world and like be my genuine authentic self so like it's really touching that you said that but um yeah just like I just really like love being like genuine and authentic and I think that's like a lot of like larger influencers nowadays like I think you mentioned like the Emma Chamberlain thing like they tend to like lose that like relatability sometimes like when they become bigger so like I always want to keep that like genuineness and like realness and like everyday kind of content with what I post online yeah and I think that's why I'm very picky with mutuals I like I'm I'm very picky about who I follow I feel bad when I don't follow people back but I like to curate content that I like to see same here and I know that other people think the same thing, like, oh, I don't want to follow her because she doesn't create the content that I like. You know, I'm not like a mommy blogger and some mommy vloggers follow me. And I'm sure sometimes they're like, oh, you know, like, I don't want to follow her because of that or, you know, something like that. And so I just wanted to admit that because I've been admitting to all my mutuals how I found them. Because you don't, ha- you don't, don't have a lot of conversations like outside of like TikTok comments and sometimes like liking each other's stories and stuff. And, and that's mm-hmm. what it is. It's a mutual. It's a, like, it's a, it's a bestie on the internet. 
Um, yeah. So I just want to hype up my my mutuals that are choosing to come on this podcast and are choosing to share vulnerability. And and we've started to get into vulnerability and I want to continue going into vulnerability. Um, yeah. Back to the Christmas topic. Yeah. Christmas is a very, it's a very tough time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we buried, I say buried, but we had the funeral for my dad, like two, three days before Christmas. It was like the worst Christmas of my life. I'll tell you that. Oh God, yeah. Um, we, you know, December, 2020 was a rough Christmas and I spent Christmas alone, um, which is my own doing. I'll be honest. It was some of my own Mm -hmm. doing because, you know, I broke off a relationship at that time and I didn't obviously go home with them. And I was just alone because it was just me. And Mm -hmm. I vowed to also never have a Christmas like that ever again. Never. Yeah. Like I think that's just really awful and like I just want to like say that I'm sorry that you like had to have like go through that and like 2020 was already a rough year so like like that on top of it just I feel like like I don't know if I if even I could handle something like that so like you're really strong for that thank you I appreciate that um yeah no it was it was hard and some of it was my own doing some of it wasn't I mean nobody nobody did anything for the holidays because my dad was passed away and nobody wanted to do anything on the holidays so it was just really tough and then also I didn't want to catch COVID during that time and just a tough but it really leads into our conversation of toxic family relationships um had I just been born into like a quote normal family I would have had somewhere to go for Christmas but I didn't my family, you know, after my dad passed, chose to separate. And that's okay. You know, that's fine. So like you, I also come from a broken family, but like a different version. Mm-hmm. Because I was raised by my grandparents. My mom was not, my mom was in and out of her life. My dad was not present. Um, How did it feel, I guess, going through school did you feel like you had other people to relate to or did you like feel like a little alien on planet earth? Um, at the time, like when my parents got divorced, I think I was in my junior year of college. I think it happened pretty late in life. Like I think like Mm -hmm. when most people's parents get divorced, it's like when they're super young or they're still in like middle school, maybe elementary school, sometimes high school. So like for me, like when my parents got divorced, when I was, you know a junior in college like it kind of like really hurt and it kind of felt like a backstab in a way like you know at the same time like a few years later like you know I've been to therapy and whatnot and like talked about it with my therapist about like how the divorce made me feel and and everything but like I've kind of like come to a lot of acceptance about the situation now where I'm like I think like me now versus me then like wouldn't want them to be together because now I see all like the issues that there were but at the time like I was like devastated like it was the end of my world and you know like I really looked up to my parents a lot so when they got divorced it was just like everything that I looked up to in life just like and that's like when a lot of my problems that I struggle with today with like toxic family members and stuff kind of like came to fruition where I started to realize those things like now I guess like I feel just kind of like like I have I've accepted a lot of things but there's still some things I like I'm actively working through in therapy as well but I feel like I'm in a lot better place like mentally than I was like three four years ago when it was like fresh happened but it's kind of like how I feel about it right now like I feel kind of like acceptance now but like at the same time like like I'm still grieving like what I lost three or four years ago which is like something I've been talking a lot about in therapy it's just like grieving and like learning to accept and like move on and just kind of like heal from that can I ask you like a nosy question go ahead because it's very common that like people have children and they don't they lose themselves in having children and mm-hmm they often don't put into like their marriage, their relationship, whatever it is with the other, with their other person, their other partner. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents, and this is kind of leading to my question. So my parents, when I left, a lot of 
problems happen because I was at home and I was a child. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of their problems, not because I'm a problem, um, but because they couldn't navigate their relationship because they got married really quickly before I came into the household. And then mm-hmm. once I moved to 18, their relationship got a lot better. But I've also seen at 18, a lot of relationships get worse because they don't, they never put in the time into their relationship. And is that something that like, which way do you think your parents fit in on that one? I feel like my parents got married like pretty quickly. I think they were dating for like six months and then they got married. And then like literally like a year later, like I was here. But like, I feel like I'm, it's. Man, I am so sorry for that like brief little issue that just happened. Oh my gosh. That's okay. I'm so sorry we're in the middle of recording and then all of a no, sudden. okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so I asked that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, listeners, for that brief little moment. So I asked that question and you were you were answering it. So they at a year um later they had you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like a year later they had me, and then like um, you know, like me and my sister, like as we grew up, like and then we like started like getting out of the house more and like you know being more independent adults I feel like that's when like my parents like kind of like came to realization or like face to face with like the issues that they kind of like shoved off to the side about their relationships so like I was airing more on the side of like the older we got like the worse the relationship got which thus led to the divorce mm-hmm. yeah I just had to ask that that question I know it was a little mm-hmm nosy but I mean that's how my I felt like my parents you know they had me um they had me come into the house six months after they got married their relationship suffered a lot because they didn't have time spent together and then Mm -hmm. you know I always kind of thought my parents stayed together because they had me Mm -hmm. And then it was weird that after 18, they continued to have a relationship after me. I don't- yeah, no, I kind of feel the same way. Cause like, I used to like think about this a lot and I talked about it in therapy, but I I used to be like, you know, like what if my parents didn't have me? Like, where, where would they be today? Would they be happy without me? Or would they be like, you know, would they not have gotten together? But then like, like talking through that in therapy, I realized that was like really dangerous thinking. Cause like, then it just kind of like, like led to like a lot of like dark thoughts for me about that kind of stuff like I used to like blame myself for the divorce and like to a degree I still kind of do today and something like I'm actively like working through because like I'm the one that like found out about the issue that like led to the divorce like I used to like put all the blame on me like 100% it was my fault I shouldn't have said anything but like now like today I just like after like talking about it with my therapist and like doing a lot of like self-healing and stuff like that like it's it's not my fault it never was my fault it was like totally out of my control like there's nothing I could have done to like save the save the my parents marriage or like save their relationship like I was just a child at the time and like I can't control like how fast they got married and how fast they decided to have kids like I was just like there but it's just like I I come to like a lot of realization that like it's not my fault that they got divorced and I shouldn't blame myself for that. Yeah, and I sorry to bring up you know touchy feelings on that because I don't want you to also think that it's your fault either. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of people that have children a little too early into their relationship, and this is something that yeah. I talk about with my my other friends um, because I I think. And, you know, I know some moms are going to disagree with me. I think when it comes to the hierarchy of needs, it goes yourself, your relationship, and then your children. And it's not mm-hmm. to say like your children go without a diaper change or your children go without food because you're too busy feeding yourself. It's meaning like putting a priority towards your relationship with your partner mm-hmm. because that shows your child healthy relationships. because I didn't see that yeah no I was gonna say like I didn't see that growing up either so like 
I kind of like I always used to wonder myself like what if I had seen that growing up like what would things be like today but it, it just kind of like is a lot of like my anxieties about the whole thing but yeah yeah like I mean I, I didn't see a healthy relationship growing up my entire life my grandparents com- continuously fought 24 7 it was always a fight mm-hmm. it was always a battle um and in my relationship now it's weird because my partner is very very calm very very mm-hmm. chill mellow person and I'm more high strung and I have to like calm and mellow myself because that healthy yeah. relationship was never modeled to me I now have to learn that and that's that's hard <laughs> yeah no I get that because like even today like with my relationships and stuff like I tend to be like very like anxious attachment style which is like something that I've been trying to like unlearn and not do because I'm very like like I'm very like I'll be very clingy and be like please don't leave me like because like that's how like I don't want it to end up like my parents like because like they got divorced and like so now like I like kind of like project that kind of like sometimes onto like my potential relationships where I'm like I just don't want them to like leave me or think that like I'm like not like good enough or anything but like I feel like because of like my parents divorce and stuff like that's like made that worse so like in therapy I've been trying to like really like work on not being that clingy just kind of be like focusing on like 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 what a good healthy relationship is supposed to be so yeah so I started therapy with a new therapist um Mm -hmm. and she's pretty she's pretty chill she's pretty mellow um she is like an intern so I had to take into consideration like experience and stuff like that um and then I had another therapist that Mm -hmm. I tried to work with and she was not so good um she interrupted me the whole time she wouldn't let me talk and she was too hyper focused on the fact that I probably don't have bipolar disorder which I mean okay maybe I don't um and then my new therapist we had a really good therapy session recently mm-hmm. really good one and I want to touch on that because I know you could probably relate to this one okay um growing up in my household I are are you the oldest daughter are you the oldest daughter yeah I am the oldest daughter okay oldest daughter struggles (laughs) so you're gonna relate to this one um as the oldest daughter there were unrealistic expectations and standards that were set on me growing up my entire life that I could never meet ever ever meet these unrealistic standards okay Mm -hmm. And my parents were very, very like adamant about me meeting these standards. I had to do the dishes a certain way. I had to do laundry a certain way. I had to clean the house a certain way. Um, I had to, you know, be the best of the best in everything that I do. And it was unrealistic and high expectations. And I realized in adulthood, I may not have regulation issues because I, I want to work on emotional regulation and therapy. Um, I may not have emotional regulation issues. It may just genuinely be that I have these unrealistic standards set on me in childhood. And I continue to still set those around my relationships, either with my partner, with my family, with myself or other people. And so I continue to set this unrealistic standard for everybody. I don't know why. Childhood. And I don't allow myself to make mistakes and I don't allow others to make mistakes. Because I, as a kid, wasn't allowed to make mistakes. No, like, I 100% feel like you're literally talking about me. I feel like I'm looking at a mirror right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's exactly how my childhood was. Like, as an oldest daughter, like, I was, like, held to such a high standard. I had all these high expectations. And, like, me being a perfectionist, I'm, like, I, like, if I didn't meet those high expectations, which I'm never going to meet anyway because they're so unrealistic, like, I would, like, put myself down so bad, and I still kind of, like, to an extent do it to this day. That's something that I, I'm trying to, like, not do anymore and kind of, like, release myself from my people-pleasing shackles, but, like, yes. I 100% agree on that, and, like, even, like, like, with my, with my, because I live with my dad, like, to this day, like, I still struggle a lot with that, like, where he still kind of, like, sets these high expectations, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, high expectations for me, and, like, because I, I live under his roof and then like I feel like I, they're just so unattainable and so like I'm just like at a loss for words that like these 
horrible expectations that I have to meet as an oldest daughter. And then like my sister, on the other hand, like she, to an extent, like kind of is held at the same expectations, but not as like strictly as me. So like, as like, like I'm, I'm now like able to like realize this and kind of like see that like there's like an unfair like expectations going on so like I like have gotten better at calling it out and it often leads to me being like disrespectful and not listening and having an attitude problem and that's like 100% not the case I said before we got on this I'm okay with being the villain Mm -hmm. I'm the villain in in most of my family's stories and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because I'm the villain in a really good way. Let's be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I am trying to stop that cycle of abuse. And mm-hmm. in order to stop that cycle of abuse, I cannot continue operating from a limited, is it, is it limited mindset? What is it? I'm trying to think of what the word is. Mm-hmm. A limiting mindset. We'll we'll just say that. So yeah. operating from a very limiting mindset that came from childhood, mm-hmm. I have to realize that no one's ever going to meet those standards because I'll never meet those standards. Yeah. It's just like, for me as well, like, I just like, at, when I was like younger, I was I like, I was like, I have to meet these expectations. I have to meet these standards. But then like today, like after working through it and like working on myself, I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to meet these standards because they're so unrealistic and like I think like you said like you're okay with being the villain that's like something like I'm still actively working on today like because like growing up I used to like hate the idea of like people thinking of me in a bad way like if I did something wrong like I had to like fix our relationship or fix the issue so that they like they're ideation of me like wasn't bad anymore I wanted to like fix it and repair it like ASAP but like now I'm just kind of like slowly getting better at being like yeah like I don't care what you think about me or like how how you view your my how you view me in your head or whatnot but like I'm like slowly getting better at like being the villain which is like hard for me because like I'm such a people pleaser I think the quote that I always go back to is um bad people don't question themselves Mm -hmm. like bad moms don't question themselves bad people don't question themselves I always use that when I talk to like my mom friends because they always like we have conversations about maybe them questioning themselves being good moms and Mm -hmm. if you're questioning yourself whether or not you're a good person I you have to remember bad people don't question themselves oh 100% like they they don't believe that they do anything wrong yeah no because like I used to like be like like to my parents more specifically like my dad but I used to be like hey like don't you think what you're doing is like not good or like do you don't you think like what you did to me is like awful and like they like he would be like no like it's just you being disrespectful I'm like okay yeah 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 I yeah my grandma doesn't think that she's ever done anything wrong to me and as I it's funny as I'm going through therapy I almost get angrier because I'm uncovering all the really effed up things that happened to me in childhood same with me like I'll like go on these like angry rants and my therapist is just like go off go off (laughs) and it's good (laughs) like it's it's good but the same time like you're releasing anger but the same time it's like I just want to make sure I don't stay angry yeah like at towards the end of my session sometimes especially when I have those like angry rants and stuff like that like my therapist always is like okay let's do something to like you know like heal and move on and like we set our peace and now it's like focus on like healing and moving forward and like processing those emotions and stuff like that so yeah one of the things staying angry is good yeah not staying angry and one of the things that I want to work on in therapy so we have emotional regulation people pleasing and boundaries and childhood trauma and then the last one Mm -hmm. was forgiving the people who have done me wrong um I've already forgiven my mom that's fine we've we've moved past that she doesn't have access and privilege to me because we're no contact now um Mm -hmm. but how can I forgive my grandma for the things that she's done she doesn't have to know she's forgiven because forgiveness Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be given to the person it's just mm-hmm. forgiveness is for you, not for the other person. Mm-hmm. And how do I 
give forgiveness to even the most difficult people in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's a goal I really want to work on so that I don't stay angry. No, like that's like literally like the same goal uh, I have like that I've been working on is like, how do I forgive people in my life that have like done bad things to me without actually being like, hey, like I forgive you. Like, cause like, oh, you said like forgiveness can be given or not given depending on the situation. But like, I've been like trying to like, come to terms with like how I can forgive these people and like kind of like just like heal like the wounds that they've given me and like I feel like I'm still kind of like working on that to this day because like there's like a lot of things that like have happened to me by the hands of like my family members and like you know they they probably won't admit it to themselves but like deep down like I know that like I need to like work on that to be able to have like a better like, like for me to be able to heal and like have a better relationship with myself and have a better relationship with like those around me as well. Yeah, honestly. And, and speaking of that unrealistic standard and expectation mm-hmm. and things that were put on us on childhood and then, um, you know, how do we heal past the things people have done to us? One of the genuinely I think one of the worst things that my grandma did to me was not the physical abuse it was the emotional abuse um Mm -hmm. and part of that was degrading me every single chance that she got in order to make me feel the way that she feels Mm -hmm. and let's touch on that topic just in a second let's break for a brief ad if there is an ad there um and then we'll we'll get into this topic and and how that impacts our relationship with ourselves and our body and stuff okay everyone remember when you think about eating the rich don't think about me i make nothing off of an ad if there was an ad i make literally like nothing off of the ads um but anyways back into our topic of conversation so my grandma wanted me to feel shame when it came to my body when it came to myself when it came to everything and so I think I'm a conventionally attractive person I'll be very honest like I think I even growing up you know being straight size to being plus size I think I've always been not conventionally attractive maybe that's not the word I think I've always been a pretty person like I just, I have a pretty face and I've always thought that, but my grandma didn't like that. I had a pretty face because she grew up plus size her entire life and she was shamed for being plus size. And so she also felt like I needed to be shamed too. Um, and that being fat was the worst thing to ever happen to you. And that's disgusting. Let's just call it how it is. That's disgusting because, um, disgusting being fat isn't the worst thing that can ever happen to you. Believe me. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say like other things are probably a little worse, you know? Mm -hmm. And so growing up plus size, she always like made it known that she was plus size. I was not. And that was really hard on me because I felt so much shame my entire life about my body but I think that the reason my trigger warning eating disorder started were because of those comments. But I want to I want to take it back for just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think my eating disorder started because I wasn't allowed to leave the table until I finished everything on my plate. Mm-hmm. That's where I think it started. Honestly, I think the same thing because I literally have like an experience just like that. I always sit and when I have to because next year one of my goals is actually to work with um like an like a nutritionist um Mm -hmm. so to work on my eating disorder not because I'm like sitting here trying to lose weight or anything um Mm -hmm. because I want to work on my relationship with food and so I want to work with like a nutritionist or an eating disorder specialist and I seriously think when I have to think about what is my first memory of my relationship with food that is it no like that's literally like how I think about it too because like I currently work with a nutritionist not because I want to lose weight like what you said because I want to like work on my relationship with food and like I remember like telling my my nutritionist like I remember like I have this like deep-rooted memory of like 
I really wanted to try this soup. I was probably like six, seven at the time. So like, keep in mind, like I'm a child, but like there was like this soup that I was obsessed with and I had to eat this soup and I wanted it. So my parents bought it for me. It was like cream of mushroom, I think. And I ended up like sitting down and like going to have the soup. And like, as I was eating it, I was like, I don't like this. This is gross. So like, Mm -hmm. naturally you're like, I don't want to finish this. Like, no, thank you. My parents were like, well, you wanted the soup. So you have to eat it all. So I had to sit there and eat that soup, even though I was literally like going to vomit because it was so gross. And like, that was like just so deeply rooted into my mind that like, as I grew up, like I was like conditioned to be like, well, if I'm eating something, like I have to finish it all. Otherwise I'm going to get reprimanded for not finishing it. So like, and that stuck with me. And I like, like you said, like, I think that's where a lot of my like eating disorder, like kind of like stems from is like being forced to finish food that I didn't want to finish either because I was full or because like I just didn't like it yes and then I think okay we grew up poor we didn't Mm -hmm. have a lot of access to food I understand that like wasting food when you're poor was like the worst thing you could ever do yeah but a big thing that I'm really working on because of that is like, if I go to, well, now I don't have hunger cues. Cause let's be honest, I don't have hunger cues. I, yeah. I'm sorry, but this intuitive eating movement, it pisses me off. I'm sorry. Mm. Because there are people who don't have hunger cues. Yeah. You know what my hunger cue is? I get angry, irrational, I'm ready to pass out. And that's my hunger cue. That's when I know I'm hungry. No, like literally saying like, that's something like I was working with my nutritionist for like the better part of the last year to like figure out like, what are my hunger cues other than like the emotions I'm feeling and like, like listening to like my true like hunger cues. And like, she like, like kind of like, it just like hit like the realization, like hit me, like, you know, like I never really had hunger cues. And so like, I a hundred percent agree with that. Like really, I only eat because I think, okay, it's 8am. I'm supposed to eat breakfast. Yeah. And I'm supposed to eat lunch 5pm. I eat dinner and I'm eating a lot of times when I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I, you know, just want to stuff, which I do, I do believe that I suffer from binge eating disorder. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, once again, I want to work with a nutritionist to kind of like actually identify that. But, um, the second memory that I had was sitting and eating bread in front of my aunt and my grandma. And they told me that that bread is going to go to my hips. I was going to get fat if I continue Mm -hmm. eating bread. And I was like, ooh. So then when I talked to, like, I have my friend Cheyenne, same name. Mm-hmm. Um, She really believes that in high school, you know, I suffered from anorexia. I still think I suffered from binge eating, but then I feel really bad about binge eating. And then I wouldn't eat. And then, you know, all those kinds of things. I don't want to get into too much detail because I don't want anyone to mm-hmm. feel in I don't want anyone to feel weird listening to this um but it's really hard with this intuitive eating movement because I just I've never had hunger cues I eat because it's lunch and that's societally acceptable I eat because Mm -hmm. 5 p.m is dinner time like it's it's hard it's it's really difficult like and I really try to listen to my body too really try listening and I have, and it's still, like, I just don't have it yet. No, like, I feel the same way, because, like, I, like, earnestly, like, try so hard to, like, listen to my body and, like, you know, like, try to, like, listen to those hunger cues and, like, eat based off of those hunger cues, but, like, when you've grown up and become so accustomed to, like, not having those hunger cues, like, it's really such a struggle to, like, kind of, like, go back and, like, fix those like that relationship with food and like have like a quote I don't I don't like saying the word normal but like a like a usual or like what's the word I'm looking for um just like 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 a routine with like your food and stuff like that and like like I still struggle with that to this day like there will be periods where like I'm doing really good and like my nutritionist is like cool like we're meeting our goals and then there's some weeks where like 
I come to her volume like I feel like I threw it all away like I like my hunger cues just like I couldn't find them I couldn't like get I couldn't listen to them and stuff like that so it's very much like a ebb and flow kind of thing and sometimes like I would I would tell her I'd just be like you know why can't I have like this like good relationship with food like why is everything so like hard when it comes to like that stuff with me and like like you said like like when I was in college and stuff like that like I used to be like very like very like hard on myself and like my appearance per se and so like that led to like a lot of like trigger warning but like restrictions and stuff like that and so I'd restrict 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 which then led to like my current like binge eating and stuff like that and it was very much like a cycle and like I would feel bad about binging and then I would restrict again and like binge some more and like just like made that relationship with food even worse it did yeah and I continued to I continued in those bad habits because that's what I learned which then when thinking about when I become a parent I have to really think about like if I become a parent intentional with food um because I saw this post and it, it I'm sorry I disagree with it I know that other parents probably wouldn't I know that some kids eat just to eat. Maybe you should get them checked out for like maybe ADHD or, you know, maybe they're using food as a coping mechanism for depression or something. Maybe you should get, maybe check your kid just to be sure. Mm -hmm. But I saw this post and it was like parents who lock the pantry Mm -hmm. and parents who like lock the refrigerator and they're like, well, we just can't afford to feed our child as much as they want to eat. And I'm like, maybe maybe I'm judging because I'm not a parent, but at judging from someone who has an eating disorder and judging from somebody who would have suffered 10 times more, if which, I mean, there were times my parents hid food from me mm-hmm. because my, my grandma wanted the food, so she hid it from me because she's like, oh, I know you would eat it. So she would mm-hmm. have food for me. Yeah. And I think of like how damaging that was. And I really disagree with putting a padlock on your food so your child can't eat. No, I disagree with that as well. Like I'm not a parent and like I don't see kids in my future for the next like 10 years or so. I, I'm not like big into kids right now. <laughs> yep. But like I don't like if I had a kid, like I just think like it, it's so damaging to like padlock your food. Like that's so like withholding food from like your own child like if my parents did that like I feel like my eating disorder probably would be way more severe than it is right now and like like my parents like even like growing up and like currently right now like my dad like tends to like buy like food specifically for him and not other people in the house so like or like they'll hide food like that they know like I'm gonna eat and it's just like I have to like like I'm an adult and like I can buy my own groceries and whatnot but like it's sometimes like money's tight and like I can't afford to like buy my own groceries sometimes so like I feel like because I live with like my parents like you know I expect there to be like at least some pantry staples going on but like I don't even have that sometimes so it like really feeds into like my eating disorder as well which like leads me into binging more but like I just like think like withholding food from your from your kid is just such like a terrible thing to do like food is like a basic need so like why are you withholding that from your kid and like I said maybe figure out the root of why your child is eating a bunch is it a gross yeah. is it a coping mechanism mm-hmm. and it's very common for ADHD dopamine you need that dopamine fix and so yeah. food is dopamine um well it's like a serotonin whatever um yeah but I just, I saw that and I was like, I'm irrationally angry about this. I would be too. By all means, parent your parent, parent your kid how you feel is best. But as someone mm-hmm. who was restricted away from food, from food and now has an eating disorder because of said restrictions that were also added on, um, maybe think about the larger impact rather than the fact that you lose out on maybe $100 every week because your child's eating too much. The other half of that yeah. is probably you can't afford a child. I mean, mm-hmm. not to be ranty anyways we'll get off that rant that high horse about about parents um Mm -hmm. tell us I guess 
your final thoughts for for this episode tell us what we as listeners or I should should know what are things you want people to take away um your story from your everything give us some final thoughts um I think that just like those who also struggle with eating disorders just like know that you're not alone like people that have eating disorders like there's a lot of people out there that probably struggle from eating disorders as well and that like at like there's like um things are like sorry my outside they're like chopping wood or something (laughs) it distracted me um I just think like the takeaway from this episode is just like you know like if you have an eating disorder know that you're not alone like there's so many out there that like can relate to you know what you might have going on like I definitely relate as someone who struggles with binge eating disorder and that like trying to like break that stigma of having an eating disorder I feel like when it comes to eating disorders like people aren't really that educated per se about it because like when I talk to it talk about like my eating disorder with people in my family like they don't really know that much about it and they're not really like that receptive of like what it means to have an eating disorder like I remember like I had a conversation with a family member being like hey like I have an eating disorder and I like in therapy we talked about like because like when you treat an eating disorder in therapy it's very much so like treating an addiction because like in the base core like an eating disorder is either like an addiction to food or like an aversion to food and whatnot and so like you have to like when you're when you're treating an eating disorder you treat it kind of sort of like an addiction not like a hundred percent per se but like a little bit like it like an addiction and so like I remember like telling like a family member like about like how like having an eating disorder is kind of sort of like having an addiction you can't like say certain things or do certain things like because you're going to be like enabling them or you're going to make it worse like and like I had like a little sheet and whatnot to like like kind of like spur that like this is how you should treat someone with an eating disorder that we made in therapy and like I got like a lot of nasty comments about how like I'm going to die and like this is awful and I'm unhealthy and stuff like that and so just like just know that like when you're talking to someone with an eating disorder just kind of like just like watch what you're saying like because sometimes like things can be very triggering for people when it comes to like having an eating disorder and like would you say that to someone that's currently struggling with an with an addiction like like you know like alcohol or like smoking or whatnot drugs um but it's just like I guess like people nowadays like don't realize like how much of a struggle it is to like deal with and treat an eating disorder and like I encourage people to like do their research on like what it means to have an eating disorder yeah, I think that there were really good points. Like, you know, for me, I can't have like certain foods in the house and it's not because I'm restricting myself away from that food. It's, it's because like when I have it in the house, it's like, I go rampant, like the binge eating just goes. Yeah. Um, I feel that. And, and it's not that I restrict myself because, you know, everything in moderation and I try best as best to do moderation, but yes, I think having a conversation with other people, um, is is 10 times more difficult mm-hmm. because we still aren't progressive when it comes to addictions we're definitely yeah. not progressive when it comes to you know eating disorders and what those really mean because we as a society choose to I mean we made Weight Watchers. We made yeah be an issue. We we made models be super straight size and thin and frail and like we as society did it as a as a benefit to mm-hmm. men, not as a benefit to women um and non-binary folks in there too you know you yeah. need disorder also um but there's a lot <clears throat> of intricacies of having an eating disorder um and yes having that conversation with people is very difficult, but I think also very needed. The more that I think yeah. about you having eating disorders and the more we talk about our relationship with food and how we can improve that relationship with food and how we can improve our child's relationship with foods, you know, all those things are very important topics that I think people need to be more educated on. 
yeah and like for those like wondering like hey like where should I start with like kind of like researching this stuff like I have like a couple like book recommendations like I was recommended by my therapist this book called Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison I think is her name and it kind of like breaks down like how like how like BMI started and how it's like problematic and like how you know like body image is used like pre-1800s versus today and like how like the whole like weight obsessed culture came to be so that's like a really good read if you want to like learn about the history of like how like diet culture came to be and how problematic it is and I also really recommend like hearing the black body I forgot the author's name but like I read the audio or I listened to the audio book of it and it also kind of like delves on that topic of like how like plus size bodies were like kind of like a lot of like people of color and like non-binary and like you know queer folks and stuff like that like were kind of like demonized for having that type of body type and like how like you know like white like European American people were like very like adamant against that and how like that's problematic today and kind of like talks about like diet culture like how diet culture is like not okay and stuff like that but I definitely recommend those two books I think that's a really good stopping point um Honestly, I agree with you. Those two books would be very helpful. Um, I myself would like to read those books because I haven't. Have I read research based off of, you know, diet culture and all of that? Yes, I have. I mean, mm-hmm. I have done all that research and stuff, but I think that's a good good point is like continue to educate yourself um, so yeah. that you can have, you can come in with a different perspective when having conversations with people. Yeah, and kind of, like, to tie back into, like, your curating mutuals that, like, you are trying to be, like, intentional with, that I really find it, like, helpful to, like, follow people or, like, watch people's content, like, on TikTok, Instagram, whatever, that kind of, like, emulate that as well. So, like, I follow, like, a lot of, like, plus-size creators on TikTok because, like, I really like to amplify, like, you know, what they got going on, the content they make, and, like, for me, like, it just kind of, like, makes it, like, like, instead of, like, seeing all this, like, diet culture stuff and, like, you know, not, like, so that I can see, like, more people that look like me, like, on a daily basis, just kind of, like, that's the tone for, like, what I want to put out there as well. So, like, I kind of, like, trying to be intentional with that as well, like, who I'm following and who I, who I, what I consume on social media as well. Yeah, there's a lot of intentionality in education. Um, being a plus size creator has been very interesting. Um, in some aspects, but it's also been very rewarding in other aspects, but okay. Any other last final thought you want to leave anyone with? I say intentionality and education. Intentionality and education. Okay. Um, just kind of like, um, trying to like think I'm like brain farting right now. Um, no it's okay if you don't have any final thoughts I thought what you said was pretty good um okay just want to make sure if there's anything else that you wanted to say but you still have the platform and opportunity to still say it anyways thank you everyone for listening I um will put a trigger warning on this on you know my podcast and stuff just ensuring that when people are listening to this they are aware of what is being talked about Um, If you made it this far, I'm really proud of you. Thank you for listening. Um, Thank you, Darian, for being on and being a mutual of mine. Thank you so much for having me. This is like the highlight of my week. (laughs) Bye, everyone.